You're listening to Irish Radio, Kenneth Holman at Broad, and uh, as you heard earlier in the show today, uh, we were talking with um, Tom Neville about the Global Young Parliamentarians Conference that happened in Ottawa recently, and the other Irish delegate to that was Jack Chambers, and Jack is uh, Fianna Fáil TD for Dublin West, and unlike Tom, who kind of masqueraded as young when we talked to him, um, Jack is 27. So he definitely is a young parliamentarian. And he was born in County Galway to male parents and moved to Dublin when he was uh, two, where he grew up. And uh, he took a keen interest in uh, economic and public affairs at an early age. And he holds an honours degree in law and political science from Trinity and has studied medicine at the Royal College of Surgeons of Ireland. And in the local elections, he was elected at the head of the poll in Fingal County Council and has also served as Deputy Mayor there. And um, since his arrival in the Dáil, he was appointed as Junior Healthcare Spokesman with a focus on community and national drugs strategy. And we know that's a problem globally at this stage. And he sits on the Dáil Justice Committee and he's an active input into scrutinising legislation and providing amendments. And this is an important part of parliamentary oversight. Jack, welcome. Thanks, Ash. Quite a, a wonderful resume for a 27-year-old. Busy, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I suppose... I, I, my political background, I, I got involved in, in politics, um, in canvassing and campaigning with the late Brian Lennon, who was the finance minister during the very difficult uh, recessionary times when Fianna Fáil were in government. And uh, Brian, as many of your listeners would know, passed away uh, in 2011, and he represented the Dublin West constituency and also his father for many years. And uh, I was approached then to run in the local elections by many people in the organisation having been involved in for a number of years, and I. Uh, was honoured to be elected at a, at a local level and worked hard and, and someone who grew up in my community <coughs> and uh, was very involved. So uh, politics, I suppose, uh, you know, formalised my own involvement in the community in terms of providing that positive interface between people and the uh, and their and their local uh, institutions. Uh, and as such, I uh, was then selected uh, by the local Fianna Fáil members to contest. Uh, the general election in 2016, um, and, and uh, I worked hard and brought ideas and, and my own uh, background to the table. And uh, the people of Dublin West endorsed me and, and, and elected me to to represent them in Dalair. And uh, and I've been doing that since for the last uh, well nearly two years now. Um, and uh, you know it's been a, a whirlwind of it, I suppose, in the last number of months uh, because we. We're in a situation where so was a unique situation where both Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are in, a, in relative weaker positions. Uh, Fianna Gael being in, a, in the minority government, Fianna Fáil underpinning that with the confidence and supply. Um, so it, it's been a very different uh, kind of doll in Parliament, and that everything um, has to be agreed. Uh, and uh, it's not only Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael needing to cooperate and constructively engage in just different types of matters that also involves all other responsible individuals and parties to actually have a role. So uh, we're kind of in a unique and uncertain political environment, uh, which has uh, been a fast learning curve for me, unlike maybe previous um, previous sittings of the Dáil, where it was uh, either party can vote uh, government. This is a unique scenario, which provides a a quick learning curve for many of the new TDs. Now, when you talk about that, and uh, Tom mentioned it and referred to it as well, of course, the Irish system is proportional representation, and what that mm. allows for is 
greater access to Parliament for what would be individuals and smaller parties, unlike the first past-the-post system. And one of Mm. the debates in Canada, I'm sure it must have cropped up at at the conference, was different electoral systems. But in Canada, the um, current government under Justin Trudeau have indicated uh, willingness to look at proportional representation. Mm. Well, I know the UK had a referendum on that have a, a PR system so a bit like Ireland Ireland has a multi-seat PR single transferable vote system so we've got three, four, five seat constituencies uh, and as such we have uh, greater proportionality vis-a-vis past the post systems but I suppose the interim uh, different or the interim kind of compromise would be uh, single seat constituencies under the PR system uh, which which is what the Lib Debs wanted in the UK because They've historically had much more of the vote vis-a-vis their number of seats. Uh, and I know, for example, uh, in Canada, you have, you have the same, same system as the UK. It's interesting, in an Irish context, um, the, there was a referendum, I think, in the 70s, 60s or 70s, uh, under, um, under, I think, a Fianna Fáil government to actually have and introduce the first-past-the-post system so that we'd mirror the UK. Uh, and at the time... Um, Fianna Fáil uh, supported that change, but I think looking back, uh, you know, the PR system uh, delivers you know greater levels of proportionality, different voices within a parliamentary context. But the only caveat to it is that it doesn't deliver stable government. And Ireland has kind of been the outlier in terms of other PR systems across Europe and elsewhere, in that we've tended to uphold. Uh, you know, stable governments over, over his history, whereas in other um, in other parliaments across Europe, they tend to have uh, minority governments and certain governments and, and repeated elections, um, and that's the so the decision under under different constitutional systems whether you want uh, a PR system or or a, or a first past the post system. But I know in, in Canada now you've got an overwhelming majority for the Liberals and. Um, but when, when, if or when uh, the tide turns against that party, they'll find uh, they're, they're, they've amassed loss in the election. I know that happened, I think, to the Conservative Party in Canada a number of years ago, where they were nearly wiped out because of the, the first-past-the-post system. But it provides proper democratic accountability and then stable government. So um, really, it's, it's uh, I, I think, a mixture of the two. I think in an Irish context... Um, we've, you know, in our history has shown we've gotten the balance right, and that we have a mixture of voices, a mixture of parties. Um, I just, in, in recent years, there's been a lack of a distrust of politicians and the political institutions, and as such, we have a fragmented field. Um, and uh, whether whether that changes into the future, I'm not sure. The the current polling data would show that the two main parties are rising and that there's a return to the centre ground in terms of general political support. Um, but that, that we're, we're living in volatile political times, not only in Ireland, but everywhere. So uh, no one is certain what's, what's in front of them in a week's time. And to that go end, you know, at a Global Young Parliamentarians Conference, which brought you face to face with guys like yourself, girls, uh, ladies like yourself who have an age mm-hmm. generation, um, mm-hmm. what were you able to bring to it and what were you able to take away from it? Well, the first thing was, it was the first time I, and I think Tom as well, um, as two members of the current Irish Parliament, where we were able to engage with 
our colleagues from across the globe uh, and we the whole uh, theme of the conference uh, was to have you know inclusivity promote youth participation improve uh, the number of women who are elected to parliaments across the world um, but also address some of the global issues we're seeing around migration for example Canada has a very progressive uh, policy around migration that welcomes people who are living in vulnerable places uh, and and actually seeing the positive uh, impact people and migrants can bring to a country and there was a a a a family and a person from Syria um Tarek uh, is his first name and I can't think of a second name right now but he 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 told the story and I think it it shows the positive side I think the the global sphere in terms of how people uh you know how how the propaganda can dictate issues. Say, for example, our migrants and a lot of the European countries have had to grapple with the rise of populism uh, and the border issues that are that are involved. Which was a story of a family in Syria, for example, who employed over a thousand people there in Damascus, and uh, the factory, the family, and every and uh, their whole business was destroyed under bombings, and the family got separated and split up. They ended up in a refugee camp for over a year, uh, and but but some of the family moved to Canada and went to Newfoundland, uh, and their story was that they were welcomed, uh, they were uh, they were empowered to uh, return to education and return to work, and that family brought the business model that they had very successfully created in Syria and mirrored it uh, from a, an apartment kitchen in Newfoundland and started selling their chocolates uh, in different markets and marts uh, and have now organically uh, built that business where they're going to going to be employing over 100 people and that's in the space of two years. So that's an example of, uh, I suppose, talking uh, across and showing an example from a Canadian context, showing the other parliamentarians across the world that, uh, you know, they shouldn't be gripped by the populism of uh, of what we're seeing across the globe and how you know, we all have in, in an Irish context, for example. Uh, you know, we're we're a country that's defined by our emigration and having to go to further, having go to having to go to far shores uh, for opportunities in times of uh, difficulty. And I think uh, it's important we know our own history when we're seeing countries who who have similar problems in their home today. Uh, and in fairness, all parties across the Irish political system would share the humanity of the Canadian people and the Canadian government in terms of their story with migrants. Um, but I think it was good to see uh, you know that the Canada as a as a place and as a as a uh, as the host of this uh, display their progressive policy around uh, migrants and around refugees uh, and that was something that hit people. But in terms of the the broader scope of what I took back I mean one thing that I, I noticed it the, the, the the global conference of youth parliamentarians, where each uh, each country was displayed in in alphabetical order, and we all had equal input regardless of size, which was good. Uh, so that you know, no, there's no domination by any particular country. But what I noticed very interestingly, uh, when you look at the global index of democracies, and and I know the inter-parliamentary union, its whole focus and uh, mission statement is around promoting democratic principles and uh, proper democratic institutions in that, in that many of the youth parliamentarians that were speaking 
on behalf of countries who have very poor or flawed democratic institutions. Um, we're regurgitating statements from the unelected elites or bureaucrats who only seek to uphold uh, a very flawed system that actually breaches um, very fundamental human rights. Uh, and, I, and I suppose what I spoke at the conference was how the youth parliamentarians who were there promoting or uh, displaying and advocating this type kind of propaganda should reflect and look at the other at other democracies who uh, try and uphold uh, the, the true democratic principles, and for them to come to such a conference and just continually reiterate, uh, you know, kind of shrouded bias uh, and propaganda uh, does not does nothing for the people that they're meant to represent, uh, and it only reinforces the grip that. Uh, that seeks to suppress youth participation and inclusivity, which were the very themes of the conference. Uh, and that's something I spoke about. It may have, I didn't name any particular country, but it probably, uh, you know, challenged the uh, countries who I feel, um, you know, need to have a bit of introspection rather than promoting uh, their own, uh, you know, apparent. Uh, positive uh, aspects of maybe their their institutional system. And what's very interesting, if you look at the global index of democracies, is that the vast majority of democracies that say they are one have very flawed and corrupt democratic institutions. And and there's only up to 30 countries that actually have full and proper democracies, uh, and they tend to be in the Western world. So many of the countries and the parliamentarians they were speaking to and some of them would have said privately that they yeah they were handed particular statements by the people who had travelled with them, um, but they didn't have the liberty to just speak their mind. And I, I certainly wasn't given a, a a pre-prepared piece of propaganda from anyone in, in an Irish context. I was there to express my view, to reflect my opinions as a youth parliamentarian, and that and I suppose that's something that I took back uh, to Ireland was that. You know, it, it's it's great to have a, a constitutional uh, republic that uh, gives and upholds free speech. We have absolute privilege in a parliamentary context to actually say what we believe, uh, and 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 uh, not to feel threatened to do so. And many of the countries that are across the globe, and the people who are within their parliament parliaments don't have the liberty to do that. Um, so we have a long way to go as a global in a global context. You raised some uh, fabulous points there, but bringing it back to Ireland then, based on what you just said, it leads me to the next question, which is within the political system in Ireland, um, in any party, it wouldn't really matter where, um, you arrive in as a young guy, and you were 25 when you were elected or thereabouts, and you, mm-hmm. have, you have the establishment, you have the seniors who have been around. Some of them um, could have been... Uh, part of the establishment for 40 to 50 years and um, did you find that you were uh, the door was open, the welcome mat was out not just on a human level but from an ideas level and did the structures within your parliamentary party within Fianna Fáil enable you to be open, share and challenge? Absolutely. And the one thing uh, that Fianna Fáil has done in the last five or six years is to try and democratise the grassroots and to grow the party from the bottom up. And that has, that has involved 
they're very open channels between all levels of the party. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've, we have many, um, committees within our part, within our parliamentary party structure. Um, we have parliamentary party meetings every week where you can bring up any issue of concern to, uh, which the spokesperson in that area is, in, is endeavoured to either respond or address. Uh, and it's, it's certainly not uh, a case of, um, of having to, you know, wait your turn or wait to speak. And I mean, I suppose what I'm saying from, a, from what I've experienced when at the conference was that, you know, beyond what happens within a parliamentary party structure, uh, whereby you have an input to different policies and then there's compromises and there's consensus is built on particular policy outputs. But what I'm saying is that every Irish member of parliament when they speak in the Dáil, they have the full constitutional protection and privilege to say what they believe to be true. Uh, and in other parliaments, uh, and we have a, people have a right to protest peacefully, they have a, they have a right to um, ha- actually express their view and their opinion in, an Ir- in, in the Irish democracy. But many countries across the world don't have those basic democratic principles and protections. Um, where, where it doesn't even reach the level of having an input at a parliamentary party level, uh, whereby their they, you know their uh, human rights activists, politicians, parliamentarians from across the globe, many of them are are imprisoned or uh, or are dis- or disappear when they uh, when they try and advocate for particular changes in their countries. So the, so uh, I suppose the the comparative that I was talking about was that. Be, even before looking at um, the whip system or looking at membership of, of any any parliamentary party, that if you don't have the base, that basic constitutional legal protection to have an input in a democratic context, uh, that shows the the veil of of uh, authoritarianism that exists in many countries, and, and in fact, more countries have a very worrying democratic. Uh, uh, so poor democratic foundations, um, and uh, and as such, I have great sympathy for the people who then represent those countries, because whilst internally they might believe things should be very different, but can't express that in an international context, uh, there 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 there's very much an authoritarian restriction in what they can say, uh, and I and that's what something that amazed me because there were many at, at different so at each after each session every country had the opportunity to participate but we saw from some of some countries which have massive human rights abuses um and uh and pretty much no democracy in in existence and that's not for me saying it it's what they're deemed by all the national non-government organizations to assess uh these things based on you know 10 democratic measures was that actually you know it was kind of ironic to hear some of the propaganda from uh, people um, which didn't really provide any proper input or or uh, constructive uh, ideas around how the globe can move forward um, and that's something I having I spoke then to many of the diplomats and people who were involved in that context globally and they say the UN is very similar in that every country is trying to put their best foot forward, but that might be a true reflection of actually what's occurring in the land they're representing, you know. Right. 
So, Jack, um, then the other question, and you mentioned it early on, was that uh, how do you engage young people? Because, uh, as you said, you know, the in many cases, the credibility issue uh, as regards politicians, whether they can be trusted, whether the system can be trusted, whether it's uh, a Mayfane, uh, or whether or not uh, that people have the best interests at heart and all those things. And then that we have generations who are coming up who are, again, very, uh, we hear the term, they're the me generation. Um, how do you engage young people and what was it, aside from your young, keen interest in economics and public affairs, what made you different than an awful lot of people? Well, I think there's always a challenge in uh, within a party structure or within a from I suppose with, with like Ireland uh, and many other countries struggle to uh, you know have a elect uh, the proportionate number of young people that's reflected in a in our population um, and, and and I know Canada actually has made great strides under the new government whereby um, there's very much a balance between. Uh, young people and between um, and, and between people who are there uh, longer lengths of time. But I mean, as a politician, um, I seek to engage everyone regardless of their age, and it's about reflecting their issues. So, um, you know, for example, in in Ireland today, we have a significant pay inequality. Where if you're a new entrant to the public service and you're a young person. Um, there's pay discrimination and you're auto, you have an automatic pay cut vis-a-vis people who entered a number of years previously. So that's an issue that engages young people because they're discriminated against. And when that cut occurred, many of them left and emigrated and they're elsewhere. They're in Canada, they're in America, they're in Australia, they're in the UK. Uh, and that's, that's an issue that uh, engages many young people and something uh, I'm very passionate about trying to change so that young people aren't uh, you know, aren't a step back when they begin their period in in the working, uh, in the, in the workplace uh, and in the public service. So uh, that's something they're they're very much engaged in. Other other issues that uh, in an Irish context is that many young people uh, in cities where I live in Dublin uh, find it nearly impossible to rent or to have the prospect of getting a mortgage, um, because of the tax system and then the pay inequality that I've mentioned. They're in a cycle of a massive cost of living issue whereby they can't uh, they can't afford their rent and uh, they 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 can never get a mortgage and many of them are still leaving despite an improved economic context uh, that we're seeing. So these are issues. Young people are engaged um, and they are uh, being hit with serious public policy issues that affect them. Um, it, it's always going to be difficult to. Um, have a proportionate number of young people actually elected into elected into elected office because the nature of people who are elected is that they grow older and become incumbents and incumbents have greater likelihood of being re-elected. So that's kind of a a it's a kind of a propagated cycle in itself. Right. Um, but one thing I know I can only speak for Fianna Fáil. One thing we've done is in the last local elections there was very positive. Uh, you know, there was a very positive uh, action taken at a very senior level in the party to ensure that there were young people and most local election tickets, so that we gave young people a chance and uh, and to allow them to represent the communities they were in, uh, and and that then measured their capacity to possibly run in different uh, general elections. And we elected of there were only four TDs under 30 elected at the last general election. 
uh, myself and then my colleague, uh, my, my namesake, uh, Lisa Chambers from Mayo, who, who was elected under 30. So half percent of the TDs uh, in, in the last general election, uh, albeit it was only four, uh, two of the four were, were Fianna Fáil TDs. So we, but uh, Ireland, um, it, it's something that all Irish political parties have to try and improve. And the one way you raise uh, the, and prioritise the issues of young people is to have more young people in Parliament. Uh, Jack, I could stay talking to you for a long time, but the clock is ticking and we're going to have to wrap up, unfortunately. It's been uh, tremendous having a chat and I'm delighted I got the opportunity and it was great that you were able to attend the Global Young Parliamentarians Conference in Ottawa. Uh, briefly, what were your impressions of Ottawa? I, I, uh, I, I, my first impression was uh, was uh, coming out of the out of the door. I was hit by by the the wall of of cold. Uh, but no, I, Ottawa is a really beautiful city, uh, and it's it's a place I actually didn't get to see an awful lot of because we arrived in Thursday night and left Sunday morning, and the conference is on for the two days. Um, but uh, some some really interesting. Architecture and, a, and a, there was a great, a great feel to the city. Um, but it's, it's a place I'd like to return to. It's my first time, in fact, uh, in Canada, and uh, I, I'd like to return to Ottawa and uh, the Parliament as well. is a is a very impressive uh, place and, uh, and and really historic too. So it's 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 somewhere I'd like to explore further because I didn't get to as much as I would have liked but uh, I hope hopefully return sometime So if we're going to wrap up and I'm asking you for a little piece of music what are you going to suggest? Well we discussed this before the programme and uh, I'm reminded this year with my Mayo roots and uh, having grown up in Dublin one song that uh, my extended family uh, play every September is the Saw Doctors uh, Green and Red of Mayo uh, and uh, it's, it's a song that unfortunately hasn't been played when they're lifting Sam Maguire, but it's something that always um, inspires the Mayo supporters and the Mayo people, so uh, I, I like to hear that song. Fantastic. Well, Jack Chambers, uh, Fianna Fáil TD for Dublin West, thanks a million for taking the time. It's been an honour chatting. Thanks, Austin. Cheers.